0: Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles and welcome to Roastathon 5.0. I'm your host, Chelsea Pepperoni and Pineapple. With me is my co host, Arzu Cheese with Crushed Garlic. Hello. And special guest, Armand Garlic and Cheese. Howdy. <laughs> <laughs> you know they're siblings because their pizza orders are the same they didn't used to be
1: <laughs>
2: what did true. they used
0: to be <laughs> i
1: used to go for like pepperoni with oh god what was it? green pepper and black olive and Armin was like a meat lover's pizza and then he went oh. vegetarian and i just oh i did it.
3: anchovy for a while too there was a, a oh, that's dark true. time i thought it was pretty rad <laughs> i don't know i thought it was pretty cool
1: and then I thought there was just too much stuff on my pizza, so we both just kind of went for glorified
0: cheesy garlic bread. <laughs>
3: hey, if it works, it works.
0: I mean, if I get unlimited toppings, then I put a lot of stuff on mine. But if I'm limited to like two, then yeah,
3: pepperoni. And Wait, where do you get unlimited toppings? Why why don't we have that here in Canada? So there's
0: a there's Canada a restaurant have nice things. Right, there's a restaurant called Blaze, and it's kind of like a like a Chipotle style where you go through like a, a line and you pick your toppings and mm-hmm. you can get like, it's like a personal size pizza and for, and I swear this is not a sponsored ad, not, but anyway. um <laughs> But if Blaze pizza but, wants to sponsor us, we Blaise. have them here too. Yeah, exactly.
3: We, yeah. We have one here too. With We're so for like
0: 11 bucks. You can get as many toppings as you want. And so I get everything. I get like four kinds of meat. I get like 10 different kinds of vegetables and like, two different kinds of garlic because they have both whole garlic and like diced so mm. i mean you can really garlic it up and yeah it's it's amazing and you can like barbecue sauce or whatever so yeah really if you eat up. meat i
1: cannot recommend their white top pizza enough again not a sponsored ad read from blaze pizza but white top pizza. i don't know about really youtube cool. but i could
3: really go for some blaze pizza right now <laughs>
0: I need to like
3: service with a smile, you know.
0: I need to tag <laughs> them this episode. On Twitter. Brought to you, by. no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Can y'all please uh, retroactively pay us for talking about it so much? I'll take gift <laughs> cards. Yeah, I'm only mentioning, uh, Pete, um, pizza. I gave us all pizza names because, of course, Harrison is craving pizza in these episodes, so you
1: know. Wonder if Harrison has ever had Blaze pizza,
0: I, he would love it he'd be all about that
3: <laughs> it, it's his pinnacle like does the civilization have a blaze pizza that's like the cutoff for him he's like yeah <laughs> okay they made it space <laughs> yeah. travel who cares you know VR right? goggles, pa. listen he blaze needs pizza, pizza
0: he wants some soda a hot shower you know yeah, yeah i get it <laughs> anyway <laughs> <laughs> We're here to talk about episodes 17 through 20 of the half hour animated show Stargate Infinity. So, the first three of these four episodes premiered on January 20th, 27th, February 3rd, 2003. Were written by Paul Francis and Michel Troyer and directed by Sergei Ciceroni, pa- Pascal Gaugury, Will Munio, Bernard Legal. And The Answer, which is the last of the four, premiered on February 10th, 2003, was written by Catherine Lawrence and directed by Will Munoz. This is really, like, all hands on deck kind of show. There's, like, a million people directing it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Only the best.
0: Nobody wanted the responsibility.
3: Spare no expense.
0: (laughs) The blame. So first off, a quick recap of the show's premise in case you haven't been following up to this point. Stargate Infinity is set in approximately 2027 and basically we have like a lizard-like enemy called the Tlakan that are trying to invade Earth and they're doing so by putting a spy in the SGC and also framing this Gus Bonner guy with murder. So he's forced to flee and he Accidentally ends up taking a bunch of other people with him, so it's kind of this team that's just thrown together, and they're going from planet to planet trying to figure out a way to get back to Earth, proving Gus Bonner's innocence. And they also have this extra person with them who may or may not be an ancient, which is still not answered. It's really annoying, but <laughs> anyways, you have
3: to wait for season two for that.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, every episode we're going to a new planet and it is ridiculousness all the time, basically. So, we've got our main characters, Gus Bonner, uh, ladies Stacy in Seattle, uh, token alien Echo, uh, racist white boy Harrison, and Draga, who may or may not be an ancient. So, (laughs) starting off with our first episode, The Face of Evil oh so racism yeah (laughs) we immediately open onto hoth (laughs) because this is an ice planet ice planet barbarians (laughs) Um,
3: what's that arzu
0: (laughs) well i'm glad you asked no it's not that kind of podcast these are these are not (laughs) blue aliens so unfortunately we we wish they were blue aliens but that's not the case so the locals on this planet are basically polar bears who walk on two legs and can talk.
1: So it's the golden compass. So
0: That's true. They're not They're not as friendly. Though, although I guess the majority of the fighting polar bears in that book series aren't necessarily very nice either because they are forced to fight all the time. So yeah,
1: you know, <laughs> you're right. Can't believe Philip Pullman stole from Stargate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wait, which one can't? He's
3: one of the 50 writers I'm gonna of look the it show. Out. And...
0: <laughs> yeah, when were those books written? Because they were probably about the same time. I don't know. I feel like the Golden Compass stuff was. Okay, earlier. no, the book came out in
1: 1995.
0: Oh, okay. So. Okay. So Infinity stole from him. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so immediately upon getting onto this planet, they've walked straight into a civil war, essentially. Because there are the locals who look like giant polar bears and there are Tlockan that they're fighting, but they are not wearing the normal gear that they're used to seeing on the Tlacon. And so we immediately have some racism because the team jumps in to help the polar bears fight the Tlockan, even though they have no idea what they're fighting about. It's like, oh, Tlacon, they're bad. Let's kill them. You know gotta love those uh americans right just jumping into a conflict and assuming which side is the right one
1: wasn't there a line about them like we can't get involved
0: yeah like I, I wrote down i wrote down a line that gus says you got to be careful jumping into a fight on a strange world it's not always clear who the aggressors are i'm like yeah
3: didn't you echo should take reply your own say, oh, didn't echo reply and say like i know a bad guy when i see one like you just yep. muttered that under his breath <laughs> yep like he just has this <laughs> hatred like cooking uh-huh. inside him it's horrible
0: yeah that and then the yeah stacy <laughs> says let's kick some talk on butt and so draga is the only one is who is like ah. <laughs> Are you sure we should be jumping into this fight and, and of course they don't listen to her because why would they i mean in a later episode gus specifically refers to her like growing up so they're clearly viewing her as a baby which i mean i guess kind of technically she is because she was only born a few weeks ago but it was like hatched from a cocoon straight into adulthood essentially because she's not she can take care of herself like she's not really she's exhibiting Thambalina. the normal i don't know anything about what oh, She's
1: or no. post pubescent
0: ah okay
3: that's her next yeah. podcast. We got to get you <laughs> to watch that.
0: Is that a movie? Yeah. Okay. Is that Disney? No.
3: It is now. It's on Disney
0: Plus <laughs> now, though. Oh, okay.
3: Uh, Don Bluth. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway,
2: yeah. That's yeah, so...
0: Of. So, yeah, Draga is... Essentially, she, nobody ever asked for her opinion because it's like, oh, she's a baby. But, yeah, I don't, it, it's a problem. But anyway... <laughs> So they help out the polar bears and oh the polar bears are called the Orsan, which I think is taken from the French, I'm assuming, because bear is ours in, in French or, or Latin. Or Latin something. as well. Like yeah. Ursa
1: comes from there.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so they're taken back to what looks like a giant ice castle. So I'm like, okay, it's giving frozen, you know. <laughs> and uh <laughs> What's weird to me is that the polar bears, I guess the Orson, I should call them, don't actually respond to the team's questions until they get to this giant castle fortress thing, which I found very strange. Like, why would you not be able to talk before that? I don't know. It's never really answered. But they do speak some English because a human has been there before. So I guess maybe this has been explored by the SGC in the past. Could be. Yeah. I think it's
1: very bold of you to expect this show to explain anything whatsoever.
0: You know, I don't know. I mean, they, they finally start to get into some of the, like, Tlakan lore in the third episode of this set, so. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I mean, in terms of, like, the plot of the
1: week stuff, like the Tlakan or the arc.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they get to the back to the fortress, and the Tlakan are put in jail cells. And Gus is surprisingly, I guess, mature, or I don't know what the right word would be. He decides to go talk to the Tlakan in the jail himself instead of just assuming that they're bad people, which is a first for him. I'm like, well, oh, okay, some like character growth maybe. That he actually wants to hear their opinion instead of assuming that they're the bad guys, and meanwhile, Seattle chases a one of the Takan was teenagers from the fight back to their village, and she like busts out some ninja moves that look downright silly. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> I feel like overall.
1: We had this conversation on the main podcast as well, talking about the main series, with one of the season three episodes feeling like a very early season one episode. Mm -hmm. I don't remember which one I was talking about, but this felt like that. Like, this felt very early in the series. Okay. Kind of thing, because I know the conflicts are pretty straightforward overall. Like, there's not exactly a lot of emotional depth in this show. Yeah. But this episode in particular felt really
2: straightforward.
0: I don't know. I feel like it kind of fits being later on, though, because we have this whole history of seeing the Tlacon do bad things. And so then it's surprising that we're meeting some Tlacon who we're going to find out are not bad, who are not the warrior cast. And so it would be less of a surprise if it came earlier in the season. That's true. I guess I just I meant more like the The lesson of
1: like this person is good and bad and we can't know who's truly good and bad and like yeah that felt very early early infinity
0: yeah so that's true but i mean i feel like in general the entire season is lacking cohesion on a large scale so (laughs) well yes that is very fair (laughs) and very true is Armand still here, or?
3: Oh, I'm here. I'm, I was just gonna say the show's like just lacking in general. Like it's not lacking. <laughs> it just there's things missing, in like the animation department and the character scaling. Like, I, I was just like, at this point, it's just noise to me. Like they, they could be, <laughs> I don't even know what they're going on. Like Echo just dropped some crazy racist lines, and I was like, all right, wild. And then I, I don't know what to say about this episode. It was kind of wild for me. Just like yeah. It, yeah.
2: Well, this
0: episode is like taking on the Herculean task of overcoming racism. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it, they do it so quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a big deal, and it gets simplified down way more than it should be. So, essentially, the the different team members are trying to figure out what's going on between the Orson and the Tlakan. And, you know, Seattle finds out that there's a whole village of people with women and children. And it turns out that these Tlaqan are not in the same group as those that we've seen before. So apparently they have a caste system on their home world. And the ones that we've seen, like Hidakil and Pakal, are all in the warrior caste. And these people are just farmers. And so they don't want to fight and they originally when they originally came to this planet the Orson were fine with them being there but then when the orsan saw that the talcon had you know fruits and vegetables and stuff they got jealous and decided that they didn't want them on their planet anymore and so that's why they're fighting you know and then our like team is dealing with their own like personal prejudices because So Echo goes on this little rant about how the Tlakan destroyed everything that his mother's family had. And I'm assuming that's why she had to flee to Earth. He didn't explicitly say that, but that's kind of what I understood. It's assumed. Yeah. And so he hates the Tlakan for what they did to, you know, on his home planet. And... The clock on here are just like, okay, but like we're not them. <laughs> so it's kind of he was really about to start dropping like you people. Oh yeah. yeah. And I feel like Echo has been getting angry a lot more recently in the first dozen episodes or so. He was always so chill, like you know, next to Draga being one of the most laid back of the team. And now he's getting angry a lot. Like maybe his, his true little colors are coming out. Well, like with with the episode with Krita, he fell in love with her and and then she lied to him. And I feel like ever since then he's just <laughs> not been doing well.
3: It really hit him hard. Like,
1: this is it really what happens did. when Kriko doesn't become canon. Yeah, I guess so.
0: I warned y'all. No, I didn't. You did. Yeah, so there there's all kinds of you know slurs or you know things going back and forth and then gus calls there's the the main orson that we see his name is arctos and he calls arctos fat and i'm like he's literally a polar bear like <laughs> i'm pretty he sure he's supposed smoky. to be that was,
3: i don't know that's kind of yeah
0: and i'm just <laughs> like could you stop with the, the weird name calling? Did he expect and, like, him to
3: know who Smokey the bear was, too? Like I
0: don't know. <laughs> and then, although, one thing I did find weird about the Orson was that at one point, one of them, like, falls into a lake and starts drowning. And I'm like, wait, you're supposed to be polar bears, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, bears can swim really well. <laughs> Why are you drowning? And like
1: they,
0: they go fishing, and I assumed that they were getting their fish like the normal way that bears get fish, but (laughs) I guess not because they can't swim.
1: They have fishing rods and tackle boxes and all that kind of
0: stuff. And so, like, what I guess is really funny is the Orson. Literally, the only thing they eat is what they call frozen fish sticks, and it's just they catch fish and put them on sticks, and the environment is so cold that they freeze, and that's how they eat them. Which is really confusing. Like, just not confusing, (laughs) it's baffling. (laughs) (laughs) And so they're jealous of the telecon for having, like, fruits and vegetables and stuff. And so at the end, it's like, okay, maybe we can learn how to be friends and share food. And it's like the telecon are gonna give them some of their vegetables. In exchange for frozen fish, I mean, I feel like the Orson are getting the better end of the deal on that one. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> My favorite part of the episode, I think, of this episode of Run was just, you know, like at the end when they say, I learned something today. They, like, share the episode's lesson and yeah. they shame whoever, you know, was racist for no reason and out of character. Yeah. So they're, like, talking, like, to Echo and basically just shaming him for being racist. And then, like, he did this little, like, neck rub, like, ooh, gosh, golly, I shouldn't <laughs> have done that. I shouldn't have committed a racism. I'm like, oh, he's just so casual about it. It's kind of funny. <laughs> or he's just like, oops, clumsy me. You know, like. He's just... Yeah.
1: I wish I'd written down who said it. But when they were solving racism forever, uh, <laughs> somebody was saying that it's not like what they look like, but it's like on the inside. Yeah. yeah. What you're like on the inside. And I'm like, did he? this guy really just say I don't see color?
0: <laughs> that was probably Gus. <laughs> yeah,
1: that makes sense.
3: Gus Bonner was originally gonna just look at the camera and say that, but then they said it's two on the nose. <laughs> I'm
1: like, Gus Bonner, are you really <laughs> quoting half I an MLK speech without color. the context of the other half? Like
0: Yeah, I mean it was truly like the team got the two parties to talk to each other and agreed to trade food and they're like, you know, what's on the inside is is what counts. And so yeah, we solved racism. You know, did it's it. It's fine, like we can all go home now. Everybody, we just need to have everybody in the world watch this episode of Stargate Infinity because they solved it, they solved racism. You
1: yeah.
3: know, yay! <laughs> I actually hear they screen this at the UN once in a while, they play this exact, episode. yeah, yeah, <laughs> it would be
0: effective, yeah. And then I wrote down one of Gus's lines You never know what you'll find when you go through a Stargate, that's the beauty of it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay i mean uh very simplistic but sure sure that's I true guess. <laughs> it's that is the true thing
1: and, i'm thinking uh, about all the times in like sg1 where they go through the stargate and somebody's getting like assaulted on the other side right beautiful
0: beautiful thanks guys oh love it <laughs> people getting tortured beautiful and then Harrison's parting line is, "Well, I hope we find a planet that looks like Miami Beach. I could use a vacation from this weather." And they like, and it's like cue laughter. The whole team like is like, oh.
3: <laughs> "Racism is cured."
0: <laughs> yeah, we solved racism. Let's go find a beach, guys.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Which what was they the deserve
1: beach? for solving racism.
0: That's true. I mean they they did it. It was a big task. Nobody else did it but them. They deserve that beach.
1: Oh boy.
3: our heroes
0: yeah so uh now we know that not all the Tleucon are bad so I feel like that's at least like something interesting that we learned we learned not to be racist (laughs) right yeah (laughs) racism is bad uh and not everybody is evil just because they look alike
3: choose not to see color it's good
0: right yeah don't judge a book by its cover, you know, just because somebody looks like a bear doesn't mean they're fat, and it also doesn't mean they could swim.
3: Yeah, don't assume all bears are Smokey the Bear either, like, right. I got a lot of lessons from this one, yeah.
0: Armand, did you have an alternate title for it?
3: Uh, this one, I think I just wrote Racism on Planet Hoth.
0: Okay, yeah. Because I feel like
3: that kind of gathered it, I mean, it was yes. Hoth, and then it just, yep, there was yep. racism, and. Yeah,
0: you're right. That's right. What more do you need? You know, (laughs) okay, moving on to episode 18 The Key. So they're still coming roaring through the Stargate at 60 miles an hour. You know, same old, same old.
2: Okay, you know, I noticed something about it
0: this
1: time around that has Mm -hmm. obviously been present since the beginning, but I really clued into how funny it is this time is when they come ripping through the Stargate. Everybody is in some sort of large like metal vehicle except yeah. Harrison who has a jetpack. So yeah. if they like hit a wall, everybody else like the shock is absorbed <laughs> mostly by the vehicle. But Harrison goes head first.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, we never.
3: He him, him first. Of, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we it's never
0: expensive. accused him of being the smartest one. So no, I just, I just thought it was so funny. Like it occurred
1: to me, everybody else comes in with like this degree of protection from a vehicle, yeah. and they're essentially flinging Harrison through the stargate. Like that's what's happening.
0: I think the ones that are on the RVs are the safest, but there's Seattle comes through on like a motorcycle, and she gets in trouble several times too. That's true. So. Yeah, I mean, they just need to stop doing that. I I don't understand why they're still doing it in episode 18, but, you know, it is what it is.
3: (laughs) They never learn.
0: So they they immediately see a bunch of huge satellite dishes and find an observatory. And Seattle makes the comment, I wonder how many channels they can get with these. And I'm like, that seems like a Harrison comment. That was surprising coming from Seattle. (laughs) he's
1: rubbing off on her. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Although I guess she was the uh, video game addict, so maybe they... That's true. Yeah. Are interesting to her for that reason. So they go into this observatory and they, I guess, boot it up and see that there's a comet heading for the planet, but they seem pretty chill about it. They don't seem super concerned. Like, Echo is the only one who seems to care, necessarily. And it's gonna impact in 60 hours. I'm like, well, I mean, I just got a few days to figure it out, but, <laughs> and, and they're like, we better go tell the locals. And I was like, what makes you think that the locals don't already know? I mean, but then they tele- don't know. So it was I a mean, good they insight. don't. Yeah. I mean, it is good that they told them, but normally it'd be like, okay, this telescope is on their planet. They know about it, you know? And so they walk into town and there's nobody around And so at first I was just thinking, oh, Hey, the locals probably already know about it. They're probably sheltering or something because there's nobody out on the street. And no, I think it's just that this planet is severely over policed and there's just nobody around because they're not allowed to be. I don't know. If it doesn't fit
1: with the commonality, then it's wrong.
0: Yeah. The commonality is decides what's okay and what's not okay. And Apparently, people don't normally just walk around town. It kind of gave me Star Wars vibes, honestly, because it was like kind of a deserted town square with a bunch of like digital screens with random pictures of stuff.
3: I got some Blade Runner vibes from that, too. Like, it just felt really cyberpunk. And I'm like, oh, something interesting, something different. This is fun. I like that
1: you guys are like Star Wars, Blade Runner, cyberpunk. I'm like Ron DeSantis is Florida. (laughs)
3: oh my god (laughs) okay where's the lie though where's the lie yeah
1: like no access to information unless it's like sanctioned by this board that doesn't want to hear it
0: well at this point we don't know that yet no we don't just like yeah the
1: longer
3: it went on (laughs) did you uh, pick up on gus's like whole podcast moment where he was just talking about comets I felt that was worthy enough to write down. Like I'm just looking through my nose. It says, "Shut up, Gus. Nobody cares. Save it for your podcast." Like,
2: I, yeah. Just...
3: I mean,
0: he, he's always soliloquizing about something. Like,
3: if... like he's just going on about comments Like nobody asks you, and you're just, <laughs> oh, hey, everyone, let's just talk about, like, okay, cool, man. You know, if he <laughs> because... knows
0: something, he's got to tell you. You know, like when there was, when they were at the museum planet. He had to tell you about all this history that he knew. It's just, you know, one of his personality traits. He's got to tell you.
3: The the ending of it is going to show that he's a machine and, you know, he's connected to, like, a database or something and all the clues were there. Like, it's going to be a really cool twist at the end.
0: Wait, what's the twist?
3: That he's just really a machine and he's just, like, connected (laughs) to a neural network and he's just, like, you know, psych, I fooled Mm. you all the time. This is part Mm. of your team training and now you're a strong enough team. (laughs) That'd be rad.
0: That I mean, that would probably be one of the most interesting things that happens on the show. So
1: I will
3: applaud. I will send them, you know, handwritten <laughs> letters and flowers.
1: Which is how we know it's not going to happen,
0: because it's interesting. Right.
3: I don't know. The last episode was the best one. <laughs> we'll get to that. But
0: So in this um. town square, all of the signs only have images. They don't have anything that looks like writing. And so Gus is immediately like, oh, they're illiterate. And I thought that was a weird assumption to jump to. I was wondering if y'all thought the same. Like, just because there's not words on the sign, do you think that automatically means somebody's illiterate? I mean, that's a very, like,
1: Earth-centric thing Mm -hmm. to think of. Actually, not even Earth-centric. That's a very, like, Western-centric thing to think. Because people don't necessarily read with words, right? Yeah. So I just think it's very funny that they assume... I mean, hieroglyphs were a thing. Right. The fact that they just assume lack of text means lack of written communication.
0: I guess just because most of the signs had like somebody's face on them, so that wasn't any obvious form of written communication. I guess.
1: I don't I mean, know. They made if, a comment like
3: if... on it though. They they were saying something like most people can't read, and then he was saying like you know this is just like some scribbles on the board. He they did say a few lines like that I think.
1: I don't know if my mind like if I had been there would have jumped straight to illiterate based solely on the signs. I'd be like maybe yeah. that's not how they communicate information. Yeah. yeah. But then later when they're like we don't know how to read because we've never been taught to read because we're not allowed to read, then I'd be like oh okay.
0: Yeah yeah yeah. But I mean they Didn't could they- have just oh, They could have been a society that has really poor vision so maybe they don't read because their vision is bad or something like that. You know? I mean, There's a lot of places to jump before you jump to illiterate. Yeah. And I mean, it turns out that they are actually illiterate. (laughs) But (laughs) I just thought that was, yeah, a weird thing for them to jump to immediately.
1: I do think it's funny that they equate this intentional suppression of information because that's what's happening here is this commonality doesn't want its people reading or communicating in any way because they can't control information that way. They equate this with who was it? Stacy? Yeah, it was Stacy. Like, Stacy who had dyslexia growing oh, up, yeah, or who yeah, Stacey, dyslexic? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that they equate an intentional government move to prevent people from reading with one woman's dyslexia. Right. Yeah. Well, like, yes, that's exactly the same thing.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll kind of get to that. Point in the plot later, but it's like when they finally do find some writings and they're trying to decipher them. And yeah, Stacy's like, Oh, I can't do this because I'm dyslexic. I'm like, You're trying to read a foreign language, it literally has nothing to do with your dyslexia, but okay.
3: <laughs> you want to bring it up, like nobody asks. It's the same. It <laughs> Guys, I have dyslexia. so cool. Like <laughs> we're doing the mission here.
0: Yeah, because like when really they're
1: trying to make their problem
0: about her. Yeah. Because when they eventually do find writings it is it is kind of pictographic their writing when we see it and the team is just trying to read it on its own and i'm like this is not in a roman alphabet or even anything remotely close to that so why would you assume that you could read it given enough time with no like context or no like gateway into that so like, Stacy, I'm sorry, but your dyslexia has nothing to do with reading a foreign language based on pictograms. <laughs> it's exactly the same. <laughs> so, yeah, in the when they get to this town, it looks like, completely deserted. There's one local who is posting flyers, and apparently he's not supposed to be doing that because they arrest him. These, uh, I guess, robots, right? Yeah, they were like robot drone things arrested him and they took the team in to meet the council members and that's where we find out about the what was it called the collective you were just talking about no the commonality the
1: commonality. commonality
0: that's what it is thank you so we learn about the commonality and how the commonality outlaws reading and writing so nobody can do it anymore they do everything by video So Gus kind of figures out that they're not really going to get very far with these people and they need to do some kind of investigation on their own. So they figure out a way to get away. And um, it's kind of funny because, like, they're trying to tell these people that there's a comet coming and they don't believe them. They're like, like, oh, the comet tail is... Pointing away from us or something, and therefore it's not going to hit the planet. I don't know. They think that just by like looking at the comet (laughs) with normal eyesight that they can tell where it's going to land or not. (laughs) And so Gus is like, but Gus kind of tells them they're wrong because you can
1: tell, like, loosely based on a comet's tail, which way it's going.
0: Yeah, but apparently they don't know anything about that because they don't have reading and writing, so they don't know anything about astronomy. Right. Yeah. So, which makes me think that they must not know what the observatory was for exactly. Or I mean they certainly don't know how to use it. No, I
1: wouldn't think so.
0: But um anyway, so Gus figures out that they're not getting anywhere trying to tell these people about the comet. And so But like, they spent so long telling them about the comet. Like they spent <laughs> so many times trying to
1: like gotcha them into admitting that. Like that they might that the Stargate team might know what they're talking about. And they keep going, No, because that doesn't exist here. And then they would try another angle and only get the same response. I'm like, you guys are so patient because you've tried this like eight different ways.
0: Right. Well, so that's why Gus eventually gives up and he's like, Okay, you're right, we're wrong, as just a way to like get out of the room. And like Stacy and Echo are both offended because they think that he's like giving into them or something and he was like no I was just trying to get out of the room guys like <laughs> and um I found it really there's like this whole like chase thing while they're getting away and I find it so silly because so the commonality robot police things have these lasers that can put up like a laser wall and that's kind of how they catch people And apparently the laser guns that our team has can counteract it. So if they shoot their laser guns at the laser walls, the laser walls go away. I'm like, I don't know about the science behind that. That doesn't seem valid, but okay. And so they managed to break the guy out of jail that they saw earlier and he's the one who tells them the truth about how reading and writing was outlawed and well like how people there's like an underground movement to try to learn how to read and they do actually have a huge library that he and his friend are like trying to keep intact even though it's been abandoned by the commonality but I mean they can't read themselves so they're trying to find information about how to properly use the observatory to prove to these people that the comet is coming. It's very, like, a complicated plot. They, they just spend a frustrating amount of time
1: trying to come up with, like, hard evidence. Yeah. And I get that they need to, like, prove it to them so that the people can evacuate or do something about it. Uh-huh. But it's just frustrating how long it takes them because they they're like no we have to show them and prove it to them like they're not listening to you
0: yeah part of me is like you know they should try to save these people but then part of me is like well you know not their monkeys not their business like if these people aren't going to believe them it's not really their responsibility to save them necessarily i mean they're there they know they would have to live with themselves
1: if they didn't save them
0: yeah i guess so so yeah and so then there's like shaming for people who can't read like stacy talks about being dyslexic and even harrison is like I- i'm not much of a scholar either i'm like is this episode about shaming people who can't read like i'm not <laughs> get it
1: <laughs> this is their attempt at tackling like literacy in america
0: Yeah, and like Stacey acts like a child. I feel like she's really acting like Harrison in this episode because she gets frustrated with a book and just throws it. I'm like, what? You're usually more put together than this. And what was even more surprising was like she goes on this whole speech about being dyslexic, and Gus does not know that she's dyslexic. I'm like, you're her uncle.
2: He clearly doesn't care.
0: like did you know literally anything about your niece before this mission that you were accidentally thrown together on like he didn't i mean i mean i would say maybe if you know your family members aren't very close that you wouldn't necessarily know if somebody in your family was dyslexic but they both work at the sgc together i would assume that that means that they're close
1: maybe she just never said anything
0: But, like, the whole time she was growing up, he never knew about that? That just seems strange. Yeah. You're a terrible uncle, my dude.
1: Well, that's true enough.
0: (laughs) So Gus is like, okay, let's split up and work on some different things. And tells Draga to do one thing. And she's like, no, I don't want to do that. And that's when he has this moment of, oh, you're growing up. And it's like, well, she's not a baby. Can you please stop treating her like one? <laughs> and then I wrote down that Echo is having anger issues again. I don't remember what he was angry about exactly. Oh, he was having problems. He was trying to get the computer to scan the books to help them read it. And it wasn't working. And so he was losing his temper again. I'm like, man, he really is just he having anger management issues lately.
3: It's he just surprising.
0: With what's her name? Krita. Krita, thank you. Yeah. So Harrison was like, maybe the computer is like Stacy, and that's why it can't read. And I'm like, Jesus. Somebody needs to slap that boy. <laughs> but then Echo agreed with him, and it was, and he was like, it can be annoying. I'm like, somebody what? should
1: slap Echo too.
0: <laughs> like, what is going on? <laughs> why is everybody so hateful so they eventually figure out that the reason that they can't read the stuff is because it has to be read with trinocular vision because the local aliens have three eyes which i'm not sure i follow scientifically i don't think it tracks
1: scientifically but i think plot wise (laughs) that's extremely funky and a better show might have done something really cool with that
0: yeah yeah
3: whenever there's anything just remotely clever or remotely huh you know like just like interesting mm-hmm. that's when the show gets really good for me because i'm just like like that kind of thing i'm like okay i'm not gonna think about it but that's kind of clever like yeah why not? is that
1: also when you start mo- like mourning what we could have had if the show was better
3: oh that's oh, <laughs> i have a whole like i'm biting my energy right now to unleash on the last episode because my (laughs) god my god yeah so much to say
0: it is a kicker (laughs) my god (laughs) so they figure out the trinocular vision so they can read the books now but i'm like okay even though they can read the books now they still have an insanely huge library like how do you know which books you need of course they find what they they need yeah they find what they need really quickly obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Meanwhile, Gus and Draga are going to talk to the council leaders again. And Draga shows aggression for the first time ever, I think, because the main council guy is being super annoying. And she just picks him up and flies him out of the building and over to the observatory and he's like screaming the whole way <laughs> <laughs> good for her like, i support women's on? rights and women's wrongs yeah <laughs> and, and so the the lady council member saw that and was just like uh okay and so like she just walks over with cuss i think because <laughs> they just show up in the next scene like normal <laughs> It's just like yeah, I don't, uh, I don't need to be flown over things. So they end up. Echo finds a book that it explains how to use the observatory because apparently it's not just as an observatory; it can also shoot down the comet. Convenient, yeah. <laughs> so they figure out how to do that, and so the council members are like. Oh, okay, well, you know, we would have been able to do that for ourselves if we had continued reading and writing instead of outlawing it. So now we're going to start reading and writing again. And so it's like, this episode is about solving illiteracy? And they were so quick, too. They're
1: like, you're right. (laughs) We're going to learn to read. And I'm like, this is like the racism thing. You solved it so fast.
0: Right? (laughs) And... I feel like the most bizarre part, it like, at the very end, so they're like, oh, congrats, you can read now, basically, or you're going to be able to read. And Stacy gifts them a book, and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. She's like, this is my favorite book. It really helped me, blah, 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 when I was learning how to, like, read better. And I'm like, okay, for one thing, how do you have a book with you? Because... <laughs> You left the SDC in a hurry. So are you telling me that you had a book, like, tucked in your pocket this whole time? And then also, the book was gift-wrapped. Where so did you gift-wrap gift-wrapped? Wrap? Where did you get the gift wrap? And also, that book is in
2: English. <laughs> That's and we not never learned language. what book it
0: is. Yeah, no, that's that's the most frustrating part is we never learned what a book it is. And it's like, wait, was it a kid's book? Was it, I think the, so.
3: It's one of the great myths of cinema, you know, like what's in the <laughs> oh boy. Marcel Wallace's brief, briefcase, you know, what, what was whispered in um, Lost in Translation. And then, you know, what book was wrapped up for this alien to read?
0: Right. The only, the only way that it makes sense to me is if, she has, like, a little tablet that you could load a book onto. And she loaded a single book onto this tablet that they could read. But then still... You're getting rid of a whole tablet. Getting rid of a whole tablet. And it's still in English. We saw their books. Their books are not in English. They have their own language. So it's
1: like, <laughs> It's like that thing that colonizers do where they're like, Here, we brought you, I don't know ice skates and it's like that's nice this is the caribbean like right <laughs> you know what i mean yeah
3: they Absolutely. definitely wrote about it on facebook afterwards you know
1: oh yeah about the inspirational <laughs> and, and how she one of them was, was, was filming it for tiktok
3: yeah it just
1: By these like i helped these people who didn't know how to read and she like took pictures with with the kids to post right. on
0: facebook
3: yeah definitely it's beautiful <laughs> it's really ahead of its time this show it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
0: I really and i really like usually each one has kind of a unifying moral lesson of the week I'm really not sure what the moral lesson was supposed to be besides read <laughs> I, I mean <laughs> like encouraging kids to read I guess yeah I think so
1: reading is important don't hide information from people yeah I mean the importance of knowledge I guess Like, the pursuit of knowledge? Given that the other morals are, like, don't be racist, that seems (laughs) really
0: vague. Right, don't be racist, don't steal, don't do drugs. Yeah. Knowledge is important.
3: (laughs) Knowledge is power.
0: Yeah.
1: School is good.
3: (laughs) Favorite moments in this episode.
0: (laughs) Go to school, kids. Favorite moments in this episode. Oh, gosh. Hmm.
1: I I don't
3: have one. Uh, the whole thing.
1: I think I think her giving them the book at the end, it's not like a favorite <laughs> moment. It's just like such a WTF moment.
2: Yeah.
0: What about have you ever thrown a book across the room like Stacey did?
1: No, because I'm afraid I'll rip it.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I think maybe I've thrown a book like a couple feet, like if I'm reading in bed and like thrown it to the other end of the bed. But that's probably the most. I have, I've thrown books onto my bed
1: before. But just like I'm holding yeah. it and I'll just fling it onto my bed. But that's yeah. the most yeah. I've done.
0: Yeah.
1: People, I, wanted- I threw the book across the room and I'm
0: like, and the cover didn't rip? Right? <laughs> yeah, like, I'm always too afraid of damage. I The closest I ever came to throwing a book was, what was it? Harry Potter number five that had Dolores Umbridge. Yeah. That one. I came really close to throwing the book on that one. The only person I want to strangle more than
1: Dolores Umbridge is J.K. Rowling.
0: Like, right?
1: Put that into perspective.
0: That's <laughs> definitely.
1: Oh, wait. She's insane. So, um, for legal reasons, everything I just said is not a serious It's story. a joke.
0: It's a joke. Yeah. We're joking. Okay.
1: <laughs> I'm just not serious either.
0: <laughs> wink, wink. Wink, wink. Armand, did you have an alternate title for this one?
3: I think I wrote Stargate Cosmos because it's just, I I don't know, I'm just sitting there listening and then I just remember everyone talk. like, all I remember from it is everybody just talking about comets. Yeah. And I'm just like, they're going a bit hard on this. Like, are they implying, oh, read about comets, you know, like, read about space. So I just wrote Cosmos because it just felt very appropriate.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay.
3: Yeah. My next episode title is a lot better, though.
0: Okay, what's your next episode of title? I
3: just wrote this episode sucks. Because so <laughs> <put that>, uh, <laughs> it was just really bad.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. Well, in episode 19, Chariot of the Sun, we get some uh, background knowledge on the Tlaqan. So it starts off with our team in the heat of battle with the Tlaqan. There's no context. It's just immediately we're fighting. I and thought the episode had started in the middle. And me then, too! Yeah. I was like, did I miss something? <laughs> What's going on? And, and so they are apparently trying to escape the on and they're dialing the gate and Stacy is worried that the Tlucon will see the gate address and follow them and so they like fire their weapons onto the dusty ground to create like a, a dust screen so the Tlacon can't see what they're dialing but I'm like, I don't understand the point Because the Tlaqan have been tracking you through the Stargate by checking the addresses in the DHD. So what does it matter if they can directly see what you're dialing? Because they're just going to check the DHD computer after you leave anyway.
1: Anyway, It's like they suddenly
0: remembered she's
1: a blonde character in the early 2000s and she can't have a scrap of intelligence.
0: Right. I guess so. So, they go to another planet, and they see an alien ship sitting on the ground. And Gus is like, oh, well, you can't find out what something is until you investigate it. I'm like, thank you, Captain Obvious. Okay, that was a great line. (laughs) When Stacey's trying to stop him from going into the ship, Mm -hmm. isn't
1: he something like, "There, there isn't a keep out sign, therefore it's Okay.
0: Yeah, so the ship starts firing at them, and they have to disable the ship's weapons by shooting at the ship. And so then they walk up to it, and they're, like, examining it, and they, they're, they like, what kind of, they're looking at the metal, which is, quote, some kind of alien alloy, which, you know, genius. Um, and so, yeah, then they break into this moralistic argument about whether or not they should break into the spaceship to see if it has a communication device that they can use to contact the SGC or if that's wrong because it's not their property. So the entire episode, the moral lesson is essentially about that, about whether or not you can violate somebody else's property.
1: And somehow Gus decides that as long as there's no explicit sign telling you
0: not to do that, that it's okay. Well, I do understand his reasoning because, I mean, for one thing, he does have Seattle and Harrison go check the area to see if they can find anybody that the ship belongs to. So, I mean, he is at least checking and, you know, he makes the argument of, you know, we've been on the run for a while now and get in contact with Stargate Command and because we can't keep doing this, like we can't keep going on this way. Like, it, there's right. got to be a breaking point. And so if we can break into this ship and there's communication software that we could use, then, you know, we're, it's not like we're damaging the ship necessarily. So, I mean, I, I see his point of, you know, they are trying to get home. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> but Stacy is just like, No, this is wrong. This is not our property. We should not be touching it. And it's like, well, I mean, if there's nobody inside it and there's nobody around, I mean, they're, you know, driving around on their RVs trying to find people. There's nobody. Then, I mean, I get it. Like, okay, you know, break into the ship, see what you can do because you are in this survival, like
1: survival mode. This,
0: yeah, state of survival. Where you have to do something to save yourself at some point, yeah. So it just it just makes me wonder why Stacy is like so adamant about it. But <laughs> anyway, so I'm like, okay, this lesson, this week's lesson is about stealing. Okay, I get it. And so they get into the ship, and Echo says that there is not any communication software that they can use, but that. Otherwise, it's in perfect condition, and it has a really intuitive navigation system that is pretty much automatic. And he says, it's a ship kind of like the Stargate in how automatic it is. And I'm like, I don't think a ship is anything like a Stargate.
2: So I also, don't the
0: understand- Stargate is not automatic. They have to dial the Stargate. Well, yeah, but he was equating it to, like, you just have to input the location you want and then the ship will fly fly there on its own so it's as easy as dialing a stargate but I'm like but still they're not the same type of technology whatsoever so <laughs> i don't know basically it's really easy to use that's cool and so then they continue the argument about what to do with the ship because now they want to fly the ship back to earth and stacy is just like you can't Steal it. So, this is the part where I'm more siding with Stacy because it's like before they just wanted to see if there was like communication stuff that they could use. But now it's like, oh, they're going to steal the ship and take it all the way to Earth. I see Stacy's point now (laughs) about how (laughs) that's not a great idea.
1: There were a couple moments when they get in the ship and the ship just goes. Yeah. Where I'm like, first of all, I don't know what y'all expected when you had no control over this. But also, I love Gus being like, we're borrowing the ship. Right, like he's going to send it back. And you're going to return it how?
0: Right. Answer quickly. Maybe you can pre-program it and it can fly by itself back? bold of you to assume he's smart enough for that. I don't know. I don't know. I think he was just desperate to get home at that point. Well, then
1: just take the ship. Don't delude yourself and be like, I'm borrowing it. No, you're not. Right.
0: That was just a way to like get Stacy on the ship. <laughs> Trying to shut Stacy up. Yeah, like okay, I'll return it later. <laughs> and so, they go on the ship and they program from Earth, but when they get off the ship, they are not on Earth. And it turns out that this ship was bait, and was a trap by the Tlakan to get them to their home world called Kaan, and. I'm immediately annoyed because <laughs> okay, then it becomes that Stacey is going to be right about not taking the ship, but not because of her moralistic argument about it being wrong to steal, but because it was bait and that has nothing to do with it. You know what I, I mean? I feel like that's
1: very common. Yes. I know what you mean. I feel like that's very common in kids media like this is a bad idea and like they've got a reason for thinking it's a bad idea and it turns out yes it was a bad idea but not for the reason that they were worried about
0: yeah because it's like okay I mean Stacy was right that they shouldn't have taken it but not because it was wrong to take it but because it was bait and they didn't know that it was bait so she's like I told you so but I'm like did you really <laughs> like I told you kind of yeah like it wasn't bad for the reason you said it was bad necessarily and I also have a problem with it because the talk on set it there as bait, but I'm like, how do they know what planet the team was going to go to? Because Dakil mentions later that he had been observing the pattern of planets that the team had been going on and predicted which planet they might go to next. And I'm like, but there are literally thousands of Stargates in the galaxy. Even if there is some small pattern to where they're going, I can't imagine that you could pinpoint exactly which planet exactly when they're going to be there.
1: Imagine they're like, okay, we've narrowed it down to these 50 planets
0: and they just leave a ship on each of them. Well, so I was wondering, I'm like, how many of these decoys did you leave out? Like, was it just the one and you got really lucky? It was really a genius move by the Tslakon and yield to come up with this because they were able to decoy program the ship to make the team think that they were going to Earth. And like all of the screens showed that they were going to Earth. And so they had no idea and were like genuinely surprised when they got out of the ship and they weren't there. So, like, that was really smart. Like, this is the first time that we've seen the Tslakon be more than just dumb warriors, you know? They put so much thought into it. (laughs) Yeah. And so, then we kind of find out that so Dakil is the head of the warrior clan. So he's essentially like the general, you know, of of the Tlacon. And there is a Tlacon council and he wants to be on the council, but he's not allowed to because he's part of the warrior clan. And so, all of this maneuvering and getting them to the ho- their home planet is in a bid for him to gain leadership. And I'm like, you know what? I'm rooting for you, Dekiel. I see you. You are working hard. You have been chasing these people from planet to planet. You figured I hope out. You win. Yeah, you figured out this really clever decoy to get them to your home world and it worked like you know what get it get that council seat dude like
1: <laughs> get this whole team we don't care
0: <laughs> uh, you know I mean, he just he just wants a promotion I'll blame him for that I did also really like their method of handcuffing people because it's kind of like a laser lasso it's like they shoot a gun and the laser in the form of a circle shoots out and floats over to the person and drops over them and then cinches in. And I feel like this is such
1: a TV sci-fi thing. Like, I feel like this is not the first time I've seen that.
0: <laughs> Probably. It doesn't make any sense in the practical world at all. No, none whatsoever. <laughs> But it's fun! <laughs> Which is what's important. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm like,
0: okay. A laser lasso. I like it. <laughs> and so then we kind of... We're learning a lot about the Thal'Con lore in this, because we learned that they have this high council who are really just looking out for their own butts, you know, so that checks. And they also have an outcast cast. So we meet this guy named Vakorn, who is an outcast who works for one of the council members and he's like trying to get moved up into a better cast. And so he's, yeah, trying to get the team away from Dakhil so that the council member can claim responsibility for capturing the enemy, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the corn guy manages to, get the team away by pretending to be on their side and Dekil's warriors get tied up while he's away and I just love how like when Dekil comes back and finds them he shouts like how when he sees them <laughs> and it's so dramatic I just love the way he shouts it Oh, <laughs> uh, he you know Dekil is really giving his all this episode <laughs> He's going for it in every
1: way. Arman, you've been awfully quiet.
3: I don't know. I was just happy that they're giving us all this lore to absorb 19 episodes into it. Like, Yeah. Yeah. He
1: finally remembered.
3: Better late than never. Because I'm just sitting there watching this. just like, okay, this is plot. Mm-hmm. Could have been sprinkled throughout. It could have cut. You know, they could have been clever with it. But I don't yeah. know. I feel like I expect too much.
0: I think this episode should have been like in the first half a dozen episodes to give us some context for who the telecon are and what they're trying to do.
3: I just like that the, ep- like an episode that just ends on the importance of reading and, you know, reading comprehension, <laughs> it just like kicks off with like lizards screaming right in the camera. And i like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that message is gone. Like that, that doesn't matter anymore. You know, fuck yep. reading just, you know, it's what happens when you lizards. don't
1: read, you turn into a screaming <laughs> just- lizard.
3: <laughs> uh, like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, brilliant oh, editorial choice.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so they manage to get away, because of course they do. And they actually, it looks like they go to another planet, and it seems like they actually stay on that planet. I'm like, that seems really dumb. Like, you know the Talkon can track you through the DHD. So I feel like I would, like, hop through three different planets, you know, before I, like, settled down for the night, not staying on the first planet that we go to. But if they get <laughs>
1: that and the Tlaucon, like, follow them to the next planet on the DHD, would they not then be able to check the DHD and just follow them no matter where they go?
0: Yes, but up to this point, it kind of seems like even though the Tlaucon can track them, it's not something they can do quickly. Because we saw in a previous episode how they set up a little device. And so I think it, it takes several hours at least for the device to like go through the last dialed stargates and figure out which one it was okay. because the talk on have pretty much been chasing them to every planet with a few exceptions, but not immediately. It's not like turn around five minutes later. It's like 12 hours later, or 24 hours later. So, I think it just takes a little bit of time. Spies them some time, then. Right. So, I'm thinking if they, like, jumped through three to five different planets, that would give them some time to, like, sleep for the night. You know, right. get ahead of this on. But that's just, like, what I think is happening. I don't actually know for sure, because this show is such a mess. This show doesn't explain anything to you. No, it doesn't. But yeah, so they, they stop at this first planet they go to, I assume, because we only see them dial on the one planet, and there is this like comically magical looking barn because it looks like it's made out of pure gold and it has a giant padlock on it and so gus is like turning to stacy and is like i guess we'll set up our own tent like making a point of not breaking into this barn to stay there for the night and stacy's like proud of him for not breaking into somebody else's property there's the lesson don't break and enter yeah no breaking and
1: entering hey kids yeah <laughs> hey kids. reading's important don't break and enter yeah
3: what a and, whiplash of you know lessons
0: it's
1: all important
0: yeah i just i mean it it's funny how you go from one episode where you're like i guess the lesson was reading question mark to this one where it's like beating you over the head to not break and enter yeah oh man i I guess they thought that was
1: the more pressing issue for the youth of america was breaking and entering
0: yeah i guess so okay so episode 20 the answer armand what's your alternate title
3: can we watch this show instead seriously (laughs) it's like i I don't want to give it away i mean it doesn't it like start with a shot of harrison's ass like that's just you know (laughs) that's not the very
0: first shot but it's in the first five minutes
3: yeah just you know it's just bam there and i'm like oh okay yeah it's going to be another one of these it's going to be another one of these episodes (laughs) but they keep cutting and i'm not going to give it all away yet but they keep cutting back and forth to this really interesting little sci-fi story that incorporates Uh really unique interesting technologies and it just really like you know, it's, it's it's leading to something. It's like, oh, my God, yeah. actual effort. And right. I'm so interested in this. And, like, just when they're about to, like, you know, they, they're leaving you right on this really interesting point. Bam, it cuts back to our, you know, squad over here flying around shooting lasers and explosions. <laughs> Harrison's you know. dropping quips. You know, all this kind of stuff is going on. But just, like, you have this fascinating show. Just go back to that. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh uh, yeah, I yeah. don't know about how you two took it, but like, I was frustrated. I'm like, if this was the show, I'd actually be interested.
0: Yeah, I I thought they had some really good kernels of a story that they didn't do very much with.
3: So, a conspiracy, like, there's all this amazing stuff that was there, and then, oh, shrug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, so like plot wise, the team comes through the Stargate and. It kind of like it's almost like in the middle, like opening up in the middle of a conversation again, because we're, I'm not really sure what's going on at first. Apparently, they're there to attend a science symposium. But there was no context for this because he's like, oh, we're going to see Dr. Carrie Mason. And I'm like, "Who? <laughs> who is Dr. Mason? Why is there a science symposium? Why do you know that there's a science symposium? So this must be something that has been planned on this planet for months at least. And Gus knew about it when he was still at the SGC and remembered it well enough to know when it was happening and what planet it was happening on so they could go to this specific planet at this specific time.
3: He got a reminder them. on Ticketmaster that, you know, his symposium <laughs> tickets were ready. And he's like, ah, oh, got it.
0: Here's
1: what I was wondering during the episode was, you know, they know this symposium is happening. They're like, let's go. So they go, and then you know this thing is happening. This is the first time, all series, that we've seen the team, like, in a cluster of people that they know, Yeah, sort of. Like, they know that one scientist. I'm like, why was this not your first stop? Why was finding somebody you know not the first thing you did? Because the symposium is happening now. I know, but, like, (laughs) clearly you know other people in the galaxy. Like, why was finding somebody else...
0: Not the first thing you did. Well, like, also how they don't immediately go to Echo's home planet. Yeah, know? like,
1: they had options
0: and they went with none of them. Yeah. I mean, guess Spawner is a major and not a colonel for a reason.
2: Maybe. I guess.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, it just really feels like we're being dropped into a middle, in the middle of a story and... They're immediately met by these like drones at the gate who don't want them there. And apparently this is a surprise to Gus. I guess he's been to this planet before and it's like, there's never been drones here before. So what's going on? And so they're trying to escape these drones who you're know, trying to prevent them from going to the symposium. And so then it cuts from the team to uh, introductions at the symposium and there's this guy called Dr. Bresol who is, you know, getting introduced and then talking about how he has this new invention that he wants to introduce to everybody. And he refers to languages as tongues. And this random dude gets really offended by that. I'm like, do you not have a tongue or something? And you're offended by him using the word tongue? I don't know. <laughs> that didn't make a lot of sense to me.
2: <laughs>
0: but... Dr. Brizal has said that he has discovered the quote language of thought and he has developed something called the synaptic telepathy band. So essentially it is like a headband that you put on and you are able to immediately understand the thoughts of anybody else who is also wearing one of these bands So it's like a universal translator for your thoughts. I would never, ever want to wear one of those. Right? And so there's a scientist who rightly points out the ethical concerns of this. And they get so mad. Like, so there's the Dr. Carrie Mason, who is from Earth, is the one who introduced this Dr. Brizal. And she has such a thing for this Dr. Breesall because she's like, how dare you? How dare you interrupt? How dare you say that he's wrong? He is the most brilliant person to ever exist. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, girl. (laughs) Girl, what? Calm down. I'm like, he literally just introduced this device. People are allowed to have questions. And so this Dr. Breesall is talking about how war exists because people have secrets and so if we can read everybody's mind then we will no longer have secrets and therefore we will have universal peace that
1: is so untrue
0: i'm like that's not how that
1: works (laughs) no because everybody's just going to start saying the quiet part out loud and it's going to make
0: people angrier yeah which we see (laughs) later in the episode but it's like having secrets is not a bad thing and like we can talk about peace without you knowing that i'm thinking about how much i need to fart you know what i mean (laughs) like i don't need you to read my thoughts in order to have peace talks (laughs) and so this carrie mason lady is just Going on and on and and she has this line about how because like the other scientists are like you sound crazy and she's like every brilliant scientist has been called mad and the guy is like so has every madman. I loved like, that line. I loved that line.
3: It goes <laughs> like, to show this was the best episode. Like it, it just had these good one liners. I'm like this is awesome. It was
1: so shockingly insightful because usually <laughs> with TV shows they'll just be like you know every great scientist who revolutionized science has been called mad
2: yeah. they we just leave it
1: there and be yeah. like actually he's right and this guy's like no but so
0: is every madman yeah and Why it's funny like, a second. and it's like this lady Dr. Carrie Mason she has really drunk the Kool-Aid of Dr. Friesel because she is just defending him to the death and I'm like you know I really thought that she would be a progressive type of character because of her haircut. So I guess I shouldn't judge people by their haircut.
3: But it's like character growth because, you know, Dr. Mason just is blinded by... It's the reality distortion field. Mason's just <laughs> like, oh my... He gets it. He's a genius. How dare you speak ill of the prophet? You know, She's like yeah. yelling at people. Yeah, and it
0: really seems like he's growth. a cult leader, basically. Like, imagine
3: if this was over the course of the season. It's like slowly... Oh, yeah. maybe I shouldn't be worshipping. Like, that's fascinating.
0: Yeah, that would have been Where's so Mason? much more interesting. Yeah. Deborah
3: Harrison. Like, <laughs> yep. Harrison died on his way through the Stargate. Yep. Yeah. Mason now. Yeah. <laughs> he died on his way back to his home planet. There we
0: go. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut away from the science symposium and find out that the Tlakan have come through the gate by request of this Dr. Brisol, because he thinks that the Tlakan will openly accept this technology that he's invented and help other people be convinced that it's good to use. So obviously, like Stacy's I mean, the whole team is super sus about the TlaCon being there. I'm like, but you like literally just learned that some of the Tlacon are like farmers and stuff so why are you assuming that the Tlakan who came to this planet are not there for the science symposium maybe they have scientists who are like legitimately interested in new technology you know (laughs)
1: are you suggesting they didn't solve racism
0: yeah i am suggesting that i don't think they solved it (gasps) they didn't solve
1: racism in 10 minutes i know
0: And there's also, like, a throwaway comment about how Draga still doesn't know if she's an ancient or not. I'm like, I don't understand why we're still having this question. Like, we've been to her home planet. How do we not know this answer by now? Because
1: they're saving that for season two. Oh, wait.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Aw. Yeah. And so, cutting back to the science symposium, and Dr. Brizal is, like, so insistent on everybody using his synaptic bands. And I'm like, I don't... I don't understand the time crunch because like you just announced it and it is super normal for people to have questions and to want to test it in their own laboratories, you know, like take a prototype home and play around with it and that kind of thing. And like, you know, take several months to figure out if there's any problems with it, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's part of like the normal scientific process
3: yeah, and then, almost, oh, almost. Sorry, go ahead. No, keep going. No, I was gonna say, like, almost like if this was stretched out over the course of a whole season, it would be absolutely fascinating. Yeah. People are hesitant. Some people are for it. Some people are against it. You know, this yeah. is conflict. Like it. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. To totally. Yeah.
0: No, no, you're fine. I mean, that. But it's like, for some reason, we're rushing it, and I'm like, I don't understand why this scientist. Is insistent on everybody going home with one of these bands and using it permanently all the time. Like, why? What? Why does this need to be adopted overnight? We're not given a reason for that. Sounds like Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> yeah.
1: giving out the VR headset. Oh, confirm. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so the Tlakan do put on these bands, you know, to show that they're playing ball or whatever, but then it does exactly what we mentioned earlier about how it's not making him have peaceful thoughts. It's just projecting his hateful thoughts out (laughs) so that everybody can read how hateful his thoughts are. And so all the scientists who have these bands on and can read the Tlakan's thoughts are suddenly terrified because they're like, Oh, the Tlakan are here to kill us. So... (laughs) Like, literally, all it did was convince these scientists how serious the Tlaqan were about killing them. There's no peace I guess talk. that's a good thing? Uh, I don't know. But then it's like, okay, we understand how serious they are about their aggression. And therefore, we're just going to go along with them. So they they work with the Tlaqan to try to arrest Gus's team instead of fighting against the Tlaqan because they have direct access into their aggressive thoughts. And I'm like, uh, just proving our point about how this technology does not work the way the scientists think it does. And the Tlaqan that are using it, I think Dakhil is there and he's acting like he has mind control over everybody who's wearing the band. But I'm like, I don't think it works that way. They're just you didn't read the
3: thoughts. manual he's just it
0: might questions. you don't know yeah i was well he was like because you can read my thoughts and know how intimidating i am you are therefore scared of me and i can control you through an intimidation basically but it really did seem like the scientists were being controlled by him and i'm like i don't think that's how that works
1: He's just running around telling everybody how he's a big tough boy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. It didn't make a lot of sense, which isn't too surprising, I guess. I wrote down that there was a random dig at Harrison, but I don't remember what it was. I'm sure it was appropriate. <laughs> but essentially, like, you know, everybody realizes that the bands are a terrible idea, including the sign, the, like Bree and Carrie Mason. They are like okay yeah you're right (laughs) these these bands are not a great idea (laughs) whoops better luck next time (laughs) and so the episode ends with this like kind of heart-to-heart conversation with dr mason and because she's going back home to the sgc and gus is like hey can you maybe you know Talk to the powers at be and convince them that I didn't do a murder and that we should be able to come home. I guess things are fine on on Earth because the last time that we saw Earth was like, okay, we know that there's a shapeshifter who is a spy in the SGC and he's like trying to help the Telecon gain control. But apparently that hasn't happened yet because Dr. Mason is not aware of any problem at the SGC. So I guess the spy hasn't actually done anything yet besides get Gus Bonner kicked off the planet. So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, man. I feel like, I
1: feel like, I was talking to Armin about this before, that all of this, like, go back and tell them we're innocent. All this was, like, setting up season two.
2: Mm Mm-hmm
1: and they just never got it
2: because
0: the yeah. show was bad yeah and so it's like okay so dr mason gets some information about the shapeshifter that she can go back and tell the leaders of the sgc and she's like okay y'all wait here on this planet i'm gonna go talk to them and see if they'll let you come home and she's like give me an hour and i'm like that's, like, a lot of information that you're telling them. I don't understand how an hour would be long enough because they probably need to do, like, a whole inquiry and try to figure out who the spy is. She's <laughs> like, trust me, bro. Yeah, so, you know, no surprise. She does not come back within an hour and they are waiting for several hours. And so they're like, okay, well, I guess we have to move on. And I was actually really surprised that, like, if Dr. Mason went back home and told them that the team was on this planet, I'm surprised that they didn't come arrest Gus Bonner and see team, you know, and, like, cart them back to the SGC by force. Maybe she told them, oh, they're not there anymore. I don't know. It just seemed really strange because it was like, oh, we have this lifeline back to Earth but then we have no way of continuing this conversation because they go to another planet and Dr. Mason's not going to know where they are. So what, like the team's going to randomly come back to this particular planet from time to time to see if Dr. Mason has sent a message, you know, I, I don't know. It just seemed really incomplete. I'm telling you, this was all setting up
1: season two in a way that makes no sense because they're not explaining yeah. how they get back in touch or anything like that. But I think that's what they were going for.
0: Yeah. I did take a peek and we are not going to see Dr. Mason for the rest of the season. Alright. So, yeah. <laughs> we're not going to see her and her cool hair.
3: She left to go find a better show to be in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I Greener guess so. Greener
3: pastures just walks off.
0: Well, I mean, she she's got to do like really rethink her life now because she was really drinking that cult juice of Dr. Breesel and you know, he was proven wrong. So
3: she was an Apple employee. She was just all in. And then, uh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Damn.
0: Yep. Betrayed. Again, best
3: episode so far for me.
0: Yeah. I think it had kernels of a really interesting story and just did not develop them well. And, like i feel like we're probably not going to get any resolution and i mean that that piece of technology obviously didn't do what the scientists wanted it to do but that doesn't mean that it was uninteresting it could have been used to interesting effects given more time
3: was was there an explicit lesson in this one i'm trying to remember like it never turned and said you know i learned something today and then say anything like do you remember it or no
0: i don't think so i think this was more about Driving the larger plot.
3: Huh. This should have been an earlier episode. This should have set something up that ran parallel to this show.
0: Yeah, I agree. Because then we could have had, like, you know, flashing over to what's going on at the SGC currently, and then, like, searching for the intruder.
1: Or, alternatively, this could have been the finale of the season. Yeah. Where they make that first contact back with home, and then... She right. doesn't show up, and oh no, what are we going to do next? Come yeah. back for season two, and then season two never happens. I'm curious
3: if they make yeah. reference to it. Like I know they don't show Dr. Mason explicitly, <laughs> but if they had, you know, reference, oh, you know, Mason's um, back at headquarters. You know, it's just something.
0: Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, we have six episodes left, so like I think it would have been a good season closer. But yeah, we have six more episodes, so, so
2: I mean, maybe we'll,
0: yeah, maybe we'll look get a reference back to it, even if we don't see her herself. I don't know. I just feel like we're going to get to the end and uh, feel so unsatisfied. <laughs> but, you know, that's the way it goes, I guess.
3: We know what we signed up for.
0: <laughs> Did we?
3: Uh, I feel like, I don't know. Like it, 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 Just like them. I mean, they're discovering themselves along the way, you know. Mm-hmm. They're exploring their, you know, God, what is it? Like, you know, their dyslexia. Echo's yeah. battling his anger and racism. Yeah. You know, Harrison. Well, Harrison is <laughs> Harrison also just racist. just being Harrison, yeah. Gus is, you know, mansplaining and...
0: I feel like the only one who's not racist is Draga.
3: Seattle's pretty, like, chill too.
0: She's usually pretty good, but she's been racist against the Salkan.
3: That is true. Not I- as bad. one thing. I don't know if I brought it up, but I think it was last episode... Because like we don't really see much of Seattle, like she's yeah. just kind of there. She's but been quiet. She like bursts through the prison walls, and you know like, yeah. all the debris falling, and they're like, "Oh my god!" And like she drops this like you know, a hitch in the sack, you know, like like kind of just chill, like yeah. you know, nothing personnel kid, you know, something like that. And it's just like you planned that. You came into this planning to do that. Yeah. Like, like you're not fooling anybody. You're not just yeah. coming up with quips. She looks really cool. Yeah, then that was it. Like I think they just wanted to put down like shirts or something and then <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Merchandising yeah. opportunities.
0: It did seem like she didn't have a lot to do in this batch of episodes. She had like her weird ninja moves where she, oh, yeah, like jumped she was twenty feet flipping. in the air. And I was like, Since when is she that strong? Did she like thought...
3: tackle somebody? Like she jumped off her bike and tackled them in one move, and it was like pretty soon. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> I was like, "Okay, Superwoman.
3: Where's this? Right? More of this."
0: Yeah. I was like, "I like your comment. And in the first episode, that was boring." It was. <laughs> the first episode was so boring.
3: <laughs> I watched you thought these-
1: it Fixing Racism was boring. I I don't know what to say. If you managed to make Fixing Racism boring, that's like a you problem. <laughs>
0: What were you
3: saying, Arma? Oh, no, I was just saying, like, I, I don't know. I, I watched these yesterday, and I almost kind of forgot half of them. Like, they're that yeah. forgettable. Yeah. But, oh, wait, there was one. Um, I think, was it Gus in the first episode? He turned around and said, why don't you fill me in? And it just kind of held on the face a bit too long. <laughs> like, why don't you fill me in? And it's like, it paused. And it was just there. <laughs> Didn't, not, not, neither of you noticed that.
0: Nope on Gus's face? Like I don't, someone, I don't like one of the crew. They're just like, you have better have fill
3: it. me in, or like something like really like overtly sexual, and I'm just like, wow. They I don't remember on that. that.
0: I do remember them pausing on Harrison's butt. I do remember yeah, that, that was, one. Yeah,
3: that was. Yeah. The ass <laughs> shot there. Yeah.
0: I do remember Draga having some very sexually suggestive lines. <laughs> I don't remember what they, they were exactly. The <laughs> but...
3: moaning, the lines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Arzo, I also like your comment of like so when Gus Spawner is talking about how there's not a no trespassing sign on the on the ship, so we can take it. <laughs> and your comment there's not a no slapping sign on you. Does that mean I can slap you? <laughs> By his logic. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I can. But Bo- I noticed that both of you in the last episode, seem to be confused about whether or not they can go back to Earth.
3: Well, she said she's going to go do it, and then just walks off stage right. No, like She, she could.
1: It, my confusion wasn't whether or not it's physically possible. It's what I was expressing before of, like, it's emotionally, legally, technically <laughs> possible. Like, they could have just found somebody to help them out and gone home this whole time.
3: I don't think they have the training though cuz I mean they, they just ripped through. We've seen how reckless they yeah, are. Yeah, so, like, they have to learn weird. not to do that before they can return home cuz otherwise <laughs> the Harrison right into the and hits the wall. And hit the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, what of yeah. the like it's chaos otherwise. Like they need to learn as yeah. a team.
1: It, yeah, it wasn't like an issue of is it technically possible or is like <laughs> is it like story-wise is it possible? It was more like so it's been possible.
3: I don't think the writers knew either. They're just, they just like, didn't. "Oh shit." Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, I guess because like Gus knew about this specific symposium happening and maybe he wasn't sure of another way to contact somebody from Earth.
2: Why
1: know? not come to the location of the symposium, the civilized area where the symposium is happening, bide your time there or alternatively be like, hey, is XYZ gonna be here? Can I talk to them mm-hmm. about like why not do that?
3: first you're saying civilized do they have vending machines and pizzas or
0: and
2: hamburgers
3: (laughs) i mean (laughs) it's a
0: big city they might
1: probably
3: should have them yeah
0: you know i think you're right in that because normally you know they're being chased by the tilcon but on this particular planet it was huge like a huge city with obvious advanced technology because of these robot drones that attack them when they come through they probably could have gone to this planet and asked for sanctuary and been protected from the on. You know? And they just did it. Yeah, I guess it just didn't occur to them. I don't know. Well, we've come to the end. Thank God. So I mean,
3: God. <laughs> my God.
0: Armin, I thought you loved this show.
3: It's just, I don't know. Like, I, I loved it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is great. But then it's just like, you know when you like you go back and you like you see somebody that you used to go to high school with and they're still like in that oh, mode yeah. and you're like oh word okay like that's cool <laughs> but uh you know it feels Move like on. that at this point where it's just like it's the same thing and it's just you know Harrison will always make the quips uh Echo yeah. will always be racist Gus will always be a genocidal monster like it's it, it's just Give me something new and then it gives us something new and then it just takes it away from us it's like like yeah. these show writers are brilliant they're like you know like they're the gods they're giving us some fire they're like, oh here nope it's gone it's gone you lost fire you lost the privilege to use fire it's beautiful it's I art feel like, this is I feel art. like it
0: is i feel like it is <laughs> changing in that i think the characters are actually getting worse <laughs> in their character <laughs> progression <laughs> they are they are <laughs> Because in the beginning, it was only Harrison that was having racist quips.
2: Yeah. And they're all learning from him.
0: Yeah. Now it's pretty much everyone except for Draga. And also in the beginning, it was like Stacy and Seattle were like the moralistic ones. And yet now Stacy is acting like a child, majority of the time. And even. Seattle is just I don't
3: know. This belongs to not doing
0: in the great
3: loop. either. This belongs, you know, on the highest pedestal like this Is this is in the Library Long of Congress? Those. Like it, this deserves to be preserved because it just you know, you're used to oh it's gonna be you know, the characters are getting better but it's like it's the one time it won't. It's a Greek tragedy. It's beautiful.
0: No, yeah.
3: yeah, no, there's art <laughs> it's
0: not to this. a Greek tragedy, but it's not I a Greek tragedy it does seem like all getting worse as people like they're all devolving
3: yeah it's it's it's,
0: bad that's why
3: it's human it's raw like it's like oh they're all just degrading like isn't that horrible what not to do i I think this (laughs) is high art i don't know about you two
1: i like how you came around from thank god it's over to this is high art i don't (laughs) know it's it's, you you know full circle
3: it's like you gotta sit with it. You gotta sit with the taste, the aroma. It's like
0: I know, really don't want to sit with it at all.
1: Yeah, I no, do I not want to taste maybe it. it. we're, not, we're not airing
0: H- this
3: so out so and sipping ago, the
1: know? aroma. We're throwing this directly down the drain.
3: No, this is like <laughs> it's like a sipping show. You know, you gotta kind of, si- and this is what we're doing. We're taking four episode sips, and we're just yeah. letting it soak into our lives. You know, we're <laughs> out for a walk one day, and we see a bird fly by. It's like, oh, it's Harrison. Oh no, it's a bird. You know, it like seeps <laughs> into our lives. It's art. You—it's you uh, look <laughs> like looking into a mirror. It's—it's it's brilliant.
2: I don't know about that.
3: It's high art, and you know what? I will defend this show. It's—it's <laughs> <laughs> it's a masterpiece.
0: I mean, it has its moments. You know, I—I I don't think Harrison is one hundred percent an idiot. Maybe just like ninety Machiavellian. Oh God, <laughs> he's not smart enough to be Machiavelli.
3: <laughs> Loki, the trickster god, Harrison. You know, like it, it just, no. it, it's just—it's all no. He's still not connected. smart enough.
0: He's not it's smart all enough. All connected. He's a himbo. <laughs> yeah, he's like definition.
3: <laughs> he's the first tarot card. He's the you know like the fool. He's wandering no! off the cliff. It, it's it's all connected. I swear. <laughs> Anyway, you know what? thanks for joining You gotta out. just make your own entertainment with this show. That's, that's <laughs> my feedback. This is how I see it.
0: <laughs> my random thought was how Stacy has blue lipstick and she still does. So I'm like, I guess she had her blue lipstick like in her pocket this whole time.
1: Maybe she tattooed her lips blue.
0: That's a good question. Are they tattooed or is the lipstick? Hmm.
3: It's almost symbolic, like it's art or something. Color theory. What? <laughs> I mean the color theory of the lipstick like it could represent something. We we have to you know, this should be taught in universities. Be. She's
0: progressive. <laughs> I don't know. Progressive and edgy. I know it's it's like her look makes her seem edgy because like half of her head is shaved and like the part that's shaved has a tattoo. And she's the rest of it. Her hair is pink, and then she's got the blue lips, and that's so cool it makes her design.
3: That's right. Well, it makes
0: her seem like punk and edgy, but she acts like a child and has all of these moralistic quandaries. It's there's nothing about her personality that's punk, you know.
2: So, but I, I mean, like again, there's just like so it.
3: much to analyze there. Like you, you look at Gus Bonner; he just looks like a thumb with eyes on it. Like that—that's all that is. <laughs> like a Thumb Thumb from Spy Kids. Like, what am I looking at? And (laughs) then you just look at these other characters and, like, you know, the crew looks... like Echo's kind of rad, but, like, everyone else is like, okay, like, whatever. Then you Mm -hmm. have this character come in and just, like, such a far cry and it's such an interesting design. It's like, all right, you know, I'm invested. The Doctor as well, like, the one who was... The Elon Musk one, what was their name? Breesel. Yeah, there we go. Better call Breesel. There we are. And, you know, even they we like interesting looking. It was different. I'm like, all right. There is, there's a kernel of interesting in the show. Like, there's a kernel of genius. Dare well, I say?
0: Well, I do think that the best thing about this show is the fact that because it's animated, they can do character designs that are non-humanoid much easier than live action. Yeah, live
1: I mean, a action, lot of them are still... like,
3: oh, sorry good.
0: No, like live in the live
1: action Stargate. They're like, this is a like a alien from a far off planet and they're like green, but right. otherwise human. Yeah. It's
0: like light makeup kind of thing. Yeah. They're like, they have a horn, but otherwise. Right. Whereas in this one, you have like lizard people, polar bears, whatever Echo is, I wouldn't even know how to begin to describe what
2: <laughs> he looks like.
3: You, they gave us the image of Echo that. and, you know, a little ball cap and shirt looking sad. So,
0: yeah, I mean, Echo kind of looks like a robot, but I think he's organic. I don't, An I don't organic robot. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: So, yeah, I mean, they have all kinds of interesting character designs. So I, I think that is definitely the best takeaway from the show. Everything else I'm not so sure about.
1: Yeah, I like that's the one thing I will I will give them credit where it's due is they're great about including yeah. Uh, non-humans.
0: Yeah. Any other final thoughts?
1: Is it almost over? <laughs> <laughs> if Six last, episodes left. If the last close.
3: episode ends on either a cliffhanger mm. or it ties directly back into the first episode where they go through a time loop. Mm, if one of no. those two things happen, this will be it's the great
0: It's going to be a cliffhanger. For but sure. That's
3: great because then it just lets you explore. They're, definitely think about it. Out there, there were some fans of this show. People had to have watched it people had to have tuned in saying, all right, I'm going to check this thing out. No, They're out there. Those people are out there. No. Oh, two of them. They're out
1: there. But <laughs> <be laughs> they were like six years them. old at the time. Yeah. Right. But they like,
3: sunk into their subconscious. You know, like it, it's part of their evolution. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's insane. They're out there exactly. and I want to talk to I'm them. I, I need them. to meet those people.
0: If they're out there, they're not on Twitter because anytime I've ever seen it mentioned on Twitter, nobody has ever seen it. It's just us. <laughs>
3: Is, is it we're like the only candle... people
0: who've ever watched this.
3: Is it a Candle Cove situation where we're just watching static and we're making this up in our heads? And...
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs>
3: it's just a shared, like, illusion.
0: Yeah. Shared fever dream.
3: <laughs> oh, man. All right. well, ten out
0: ten.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: That is it for today. We will be back next week with the SG1 Season 3 finale and Season 4 opener, Nemesis, and Small Victories. <laughs> it looks like Arzu's really happy about that. I'm getting my boo back. Yeah, you're getting your boo <laughs> back. Yeah, she's over here waving her arms. <laughs> <So> <laughs> if you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast Twitter and Tumblr page at Wormhole Waffles. And you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Chelsea Fairless. Armand, do you have anything you want to promote?
3: This is honestly the only thing I do publicly on the internet, which is kind of funny, okay. and I love yeah. that. So <laughs> I'm going to keep doing this, and okay. if you want to find me, LinkedIn—that's the best way.
0: All right, and
1: Arzu, it's very funny. I think when we we're growing up, if they had to guess who would be the public personality, it wouldn't, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so to find me, I'm on Twitter at Arzu Amin. I'm at Arzu D2 everywhere else. Has a network. We are on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. We are the geeky waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Tumblr. We are the geeky waffle on YouTube. We're at thegeekywaffle.com and we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash the geeky waffle.
0: All right. Thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you on the other side of the event, Horizon.
1: Take care.